Oh, are we good to go? Uh, okay. So, what we had gotten started talking about was getting permission for everything to be okay. Because the way that we were raised is kind of that things are dangerous. And even the guys, the da daddies that told us that everything was okay, they were running around being tough and dealing, but not very well with a really dangerous situation in their mind. Yeah. And so um, that, was, that was life. That we, we came out of that kind of history. Uh, way back when, we actually did live in a jungle. Jungle life is dangerous. Things get eaten daily. <laughs> as long as there's out, uh, uh, let us say, predators, including humans out there eating, things get eaten. Sometimes it's humans that get eaten. So things are just downright dangerous in the jungle. However, we have built cities. But then we understand in a way that they, in fact, they call it a concrete jungle. <laughs> law of the jungle. Yeah. Right. The law of the jungle and, and the law of the jungle applies in the city also when you would think that humans, if they want to come out of the jungle, they should be able to come out of not just the physical jungle, but out of the jungle, out of their mind also. Because our daddies, I think you and I daddies were very much alike. Yeah, they were tough dudes, and they but they struggled. They, yeah, yeah, they they were cracks. You could see the cracks in the in the facade in the armor, mm -hmm. and you could feel it. You could feel it. You could feel the the panic, you know, and how probably maybe they were ashamed of that, or because it wasn't very manly to you know to to be like that. And and I can see that in my granddad, my dad's dad, and and who came from like a family of. I think seven other brothers and he was the youngest and you know it goes right back yeah it goes all the way back past the time of the buddha right back into ancient history Probably in fact what back there i spent uh, when the brainstem <laughs> exactly so exactly that's where that stuff comes from those sense of, of fears and insecurities that we try to fight away by being tough and to recognize, wait a minute, we don't need that war. And that war is actually, um, let us say, glorified in religion as the war of Armageddon, the war of good against evil, the war against me and against the world or whatever it is. And that, uh, that war can also be thought of as merely just critical thinking. This is good and this is bad. And so we become critical, and that's how we built our society. We built this jungle that we, that we call home. But we left the jungle in it because of that quality of judgment, which is then we can think of when we're in our own mind, sitting in meditation and, and figuring things out. We can see that that's actually just critical thinking to where what we really need is nurturing, nurturing thoughts, nurturing thinking, and 
in the regard of what you're talking about and the permission to allow yourself to think that way, to think that everything is going to be all right. It feels you want some evidence. Well, and ironically, it, it, you, 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 you feel stronger in yourself anyway. You know, you, you, you know, daddy's trying to be all strong and tough, but it's brittle, you know, whereas if you mm -hmm. kind of yield and you, and you, because you're not fighting against yourself, I guess. I mean, I don't know if you noticed on the on the last um, spoke last time, you were talking me through this meditation on the inhale everything, on the outhale. Uh -huh. Right. I, I remember that. That was good. I had tears streaming down my eyes, you know. I had tears streaming down my eyes. And, and throughout this whole week, uh, that <laughs> I've been welling up quite a lot. You know, I feel like whether it's the right, correct term, but, you know, it, some kind of, healing effect you know that's how it feels just some kind of you know purification process just 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 something you know it's it's uh, it's, it's it feels nurturing it, it feels healthy i know i know it feels a release I, and a relief you know it's um i'm really glad that you're reporting back that you got such good value out of that session but what i wanted with us to do with that is instead of making that as an event of profound importance, let us do it this way, that, oh, you're just doing it, the, uh, you're just like in pool they call beginner's luck. Yeah, beginner's okay. mind. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. And um, in another way of, of looking at it, look how easy it actually is to do. Because you can guide yourself into that state just like I did in five minutes. Yeah. I've been, I've been, you know, I've, I have been. It's, um, <laughs> those, te those tears are still, you know, tears are still, have still been coming, you know. <laughs> I'm learning about the, the, the right attitude, the right, everything you talk about, the right, all the parts of the, the eightfold path. The, it's about what I'm bringing to it. So when I'm paying attention to the breath, how am I paying attention to that breath? I can, the breath's the breath, but I can tune my mind into seeing it joyfully or nurturingly or, you know, mm -hmm. that's, you know, I, I forget quite often, but, you know, at the start of the week, I, I would say it was kind of like beginner's pool luck, you know, oh, this is tough. <laughs> I got this, this is great, you know, and then life uh, threw a curveball towards the end of the week. And I was, up uh, at, I was up at 3 a.m. in the morning, you know, where I didn't have the presence of mind at that time to get back in front of it. I just, um, Felt like I was going to get sort of um, a, a, a rather intimidating email from a, a, an insurance scam type email thing that uh, gets my self-righteousness up quite a bit because I feel like <laughs> it's David against Goliath uh, kind of thing. But it'll be it'll be OK. You know, um, I, what, what I did is I made the appropriate phone calls, took the practical steps to talk to some people in the know. And that helped put my mind at ease, um, you know, but uh yeah, I mean that was that was, that was a challenge at three o'clock in the morning to remember these instructions, um, but you know, start again. So when I woke up in the morning, sit back on the cushion, and yeah, it was harder to tune into that quality, but it is still possible. Mm -hmm. It is still possible. That's and that's the right effort. I'm I'm assuming. Oh, that's really good. I. <clears throat> Let, let us focus on that which you just said, in the sense that 
you begin now uh, both in the time that we had before three years ago or so and to now already reestablish that you can do this yeah it's there yeah you can yeah it's there that's an important step so so much of what yeah. you taught me those three or so years ago it's still there <laughs> <laughs> still there great so um let's reestablish and complete building those skills that's exactly what it is so um it's like riding a bicycle it really is now you can probably get on a bike and within 10 minutes or less get back up to the best you ever were with a bicycle yeah yeah, yeah. Despite, despite, what, despite what the stories tell you you know despite yeah they, they, i guess there's some parts of my mind that don't want me to develop these skills <laughs> you know it's uh you know, I guess there's, um, yeah, there's, uh, do, do you understand what I'm saying? There's, 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 I'm challenging a lot of beliefs. Oh, you can't do this, Steve. You know, you've, you, your head is fucked. Do you know? Actually, what I mean? that's, that's right. Yeah. This is, this is back to that point that we were making before about having permission to do this. That you really do not only need for me to give you permission as a spark. But then you take that spark and give yourself permission as fuel to the fire. Man, I'll tell you now, you know, within a couple of days of talking to you, I'm back talking about the Dharma again when I'm in the workplace, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling someone like, yeah, all you need to do is just come back to your breath and start again, you know. <laughs> and, the, and the girl that I'm talking to was like, yeah, 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 I see what you mean. <laughs> so, so, you know, so it's, uh, it's all there, but it's... Um, Let's get, those okay. let's get those skills, uh, you know, developed. So, right. And so it's all about the memory. That's which is actually sati to remember to wake up, to remember to do this. That's the major skill to be remembered because we forget it when we need it most. When things get tough, when things get tight, when you're expecting that email from that scam artist or whoever it is, and you think about that email, that's when we feel really tense and uptight, and that's when we need to take a deep breath and tell ourselves everything is all right. Yeah, that's when it feels really real. That's how I, like something about paranoia that feels mm -hmm. real. It, 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 convincing. You know, it's it's a it's a tricky. It's a, it seems it seems to be a tricky mind state to deal with for, for say myself I don't know about anyone else but throughout my life there's I remember being quite paranoid and stuff you know it's, it's uh, mm. you know it's a, it's a place you know I've been in a lot so it's uh, yeah it's a question it's a very human trait I would say in fact that I don't know anyone who is absolutely free of paranoia Every one of us thinks that the world out there is a dangerous place. Yeah. Dangerous. Got to watch my stuff and to watch what I say. And uh, we actually learned that as kids. Um, here's a really, really interesting and clear example. I think her name was Madeline Albright, but I'm not sure that it was. But I'll tell you who the position was. She was attorney general for the United States 
during one of the Democratic administrations, probably uh, Obama's administration, when a big scandal broke about the city that she used to live in, uh, where she was the um, uh, district attorney, the head of the uh, head attorney. So she got a promotion into being the biggest lawyer in town uh, from another place. And the scandal that broke was that a lot of women all of a sudden got together and figured things out. And all of these women were in their 20s or so. And because they communicated, they had realized that they had all been swindled into confessing to a crime that didn't happen by... um, uh, social workers and policemen, because uh, uh, this particular district attorney really wanted to clean this up. Well, like like planting false memories or something like that. Or... And so these people started planting false memories. Well, <clears throat> actually, the false memory is implanted by the child herself. But the situation would be uh, that when they say. Didn't Uncle Bob do blah, blah to you? Don't you remember? Tell me all about it. Okay, the child doesn't really know what's going on, but because of the hurting instinct, the child wants to please and go along with and help out this officer, this person of the law. And so they try to give them what they want. Because this is a tough, tense situation, and the child knows it, and so they're trying to figure out a way out of it. And so they will often go along to get along, and that puts an uncle in jail who didn't belong in jail. 10, 15 years later, these women start to talk about it uh, by themselves, and they begin to realize they were swindled into this. They were swindled into the The pressure that the cops had put on them and the social workers and whatnot had convinced them that it's better to go along with the story than it is to... uh, uh, to tell the truth about it. Yeah. And so now they've got all of this guilt built up over the years because they know they lied and they've got an uncle in jail. That's okay, this... Now, the, here's the reason that I tell you this story is, is because parents put that kind of pressure on kids and kids do what they need to do to go along to get along. Hey, I remember my mom telling me to tell lies just so we didn't so dad didn't get annoyed when he come home from a long day at work you know just you know don't basically lie to your dad because he's gonna he's gonna blow up otherwise you know so uh, mm-hmm. you know and I, what your dad needed was not a lie he needed nurturing yeah because he was tense and yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah. If anything, but you were in no position to give him nurturing because you needed some yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. I remember something happened to me when I was a kid, and I remember my dad asking me, kind of along these lines, you know, kind of asking me if anything happened, and I didn't want to say, you know. So I had to, so no, no, dad, no, 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 that that didn't happen, and I knew I was lying. So I had to bury a secret, you know, myself, you know, and. Uh, you know, because I didn't, want, I didn't want my dad to. I guess you're kind of protecting someone, and I didn't want my dad to get even more mad. You know, it, maybe if he'd asked me in a different way, mm-hmm. I would have. But you can see that, in fact, that's exactly how, uh, for instance, a warlord and his crew would work, or maybe even a mafia 
with a mafia boss who goes around being angry and fussing and, and doing damage and whatnot like that. And everybody's around saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And going along to get along. Yeah. 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 You can see that in police departments too. <laughs> so you see with bosses, it's, it's this, it's this rule of fear, isn't it? You know, it's uh, like the, the, they kind of, they want to, they want to, these, these mafioso or these bosses, they, they, they feel probably they want to scare people. Because it makes them feel powerful, <laughs> but it but it does, it, it breeds paranoia. Because you think, are they lying to me? Like, do they are they, are they just kissing my ass? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. we, we've just been through that big time in the United States. We've been dealing with a mafia boss that had a lot of power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's good to wake up to that because otherwise we don't. Um, how to say? We need a really really bright lamp shining on this thing in order for us to see what it is. Once we see what it is, then we can see it in the small things more easily. Yeah. You get what I mean? That we can begin to see, once we really see what's going on, this idea that the boss is huffing and puffing to get his way because he wants you to lie to him. Well, to protect Because him. that gives him his power. And so he wants you to lie to him and go along to get along. That he's the king of this herd and he wants the herd to go along with him. Otherwise, he's got no herd. I mean, I, I mean, it's obviously I don't really have a boss necessarily because I've been self-employed for 16 years, you know. Mm -hmm. so I, I see this dynamic slightly differently. I mean, it, in one sense, you could say that I have 30 different bosses you know? uh, instead of one big boss and there's always this power dynamic going on this power battle because I, I you know I want to be in charge of myself because I work for myself and I want to pick and choose the jobs I do uh, to maximize my efficiency etc um, but I gotta go along to get along sometimes to do the crappy jobs to get the good jobs and and there's just this uh, constant sort of you know battle jungle thing going on um, but I mean, just to let you know, I mean, like for example, this week I did actually walk out of my second biggest customer um, because I just said I don't need it anymore. I just, uh, yeah, it felt it felt good. <laughs> so um, just uh, it was, you know, um, yeah. I just I, there was a job I didn't want to do. I just said I just I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it, and that was that. So yes, yeah. I think. I, I've been close enough to the automobile repair business to know that it's got a dark underbelly. <laughs> this under pretend you feel like you're dealing with the devil, you know. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 yeah, it's a bit seedy. It can be. Yeah. Guess what? Name me a profession that isn't. I don't mean there is any medicine. Law. Right. Here you go, some of the big ones now. <laughs> they actually beat out the automobile repair business. They're just not as violent. <laughs> but crooked, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes you feel kind of sick, really. You know, it's, um, Until you realize, no, these are human beings. 
These are people who go along to get along, and everybody winds up following a bunch of lies and telling lies. Hey, they got they got the mortgage to pay, haven't they? They got the mortgage to pay. They got the they got the they got the uh, the car finance to pay. They got the free kids to look after. And everyone's afraid, and everyone is out there slicing their piece of cheese off the top before they pass it along. Yeah, yeah, and they 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 have to kiss the boss's ass to get that paycheck. They think, you know, that's that's what they. And the boss has to kiss thirty bosses. Yeah, yeah, isn't that interesting? And so everybody's yep. out there going along to get along, trying to make it, and everybody is acting tough and feeling brittle. Um, oh, what was his name? Henry David Thoreau in his book, Walden, stated uh, and called men, uh, men of quiet desperation. That we're all desperate. We're just not very noisy about how desperate we really are inside. And that desperation actually is nothing but the feeling of fear, but we don't know what it is that we're afraid of. So like an anxiety yes. Yeah, something is going to go wrong, but I don't know what. And so I keep trying to fix things, perhaps fixing more things that aren't broken and breaking them than I am out there fixing things that do need to be fixed. 100%. Yeah. You're running around putting fires out (laughs) just all the time. Joke spinning, 20, 20 keep 30 different plates spinning, you know, just exactly, exactly. And that's what causes great effort and uh, because of the danger of the situation. So it's a feeling of impending danger. You that's the like issue. Yeah, you feel like your survival is at, at stake, you know. Mm-hmm. But guess what? It's not really. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's what. Not really. It's not that dangerous. In fact, that may be, in fact, what gave rise to you saying goodbye to that one particular client is because you said, well, wait a minute, this guy is dangerous. Let me let him go. <laughs> there's, there's elements of that, 100%. <laughs> there, is, there is, there is, there is. It's, um, Yeah, yeah, the situation's starting to feel. Yeah, I guess I kind of, I kind of want to bail out the situation as well, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that now is correct practice, is to let things go once they're dangerous. Yeah. And there's a lot of things dangerous, and the more you look, the more the dangerous things you'll find, which means that we begin to have what I would call a don't do list. You know, we all have a to do list. Oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do this other thing, right? Well, now we're going to have a kind of don't do list. Things we're going to avoid or the things that we are going to restrain ourselves from. And the reason that we put these items on the list is because we see that they are dangerous. Okay. And because we can see something is dangerous, we put it on a don't do list. Here's an example of that. Someone may like um, Homer Simpson in The Simpsons really likes donuts. And a lot of people like donuts. That's why there's so many donut shops is because people really like donuts. But if someone goes on a diet, they will recognize that donuts are dangerous 
because you can't eat just one. You got to eat the whole box. And so it's better to stay away from donuts. Crisps, packets of biscuits. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so when we recognize that these things are dangerous, we can put them on our don't do that list. Let's stay away from donuts. Because they're dangerous. Okay, now that's just an example, but we can also yeah. under go ahead. I was gonna say drugs, everything, just anything like that. Mm-hmm. You're better off having that first. You're better off not having that first biscuit because you know you're gonna eat the whole packet in a way. It's- <laughs> I was thinking more of the more delicate things like anxiety. Right. Well, you see, we live on anxiety. We are in fact a society of adrenaline junkies. Hundred percent. Right? We are. I mean, don't you love to race? Yeah. I was into motorbikes. I was really into them. (laughs) My my work life, I moan about it all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm addicted to that. Exactly. That's, I mean, that, that probably gave you the industry. You, you could have been a Galileo, you could have been a Rembrandt and here you are making cars beautiful. And I know why, because the car itself has to do with that muscle and that power and that exhilaration and the oomph. And I've been there, done that. I know what you're talking about. But that was me. But I, I got into do, repairing cars when I was 18 because I was into that. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. now I see cars as dangerous. I don't want one, you know. I don't, and not, I don't mean like physically dangerous, <laughs> but I, I don't okay. want. One. I, I, I repair people that cry about a little tiny dent in their car because they just. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Isn't that amazing that no, people are crying about? I know it. I know. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's really great because you better, I want to. Yeah, you're better off having the old banger because you haven't got the paranoia about someone hitting it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I have to protect, you know, I'm sort of like, I, I, I don't know my product at all. And I, because I'm so out of touch with cars now, you know, when I'm having a conversation with a customer, I must come across as kind of clueless because I don't know the latest model. I don't know what this does, this does. So I don't really care. Like, you know? <laughs> All I know is I, I can take your dent out of your car because I, yeah. I can massage metal back to how it was because that's the skill I've got, like a finicky skill, you know, a precise skill. But apart from that, you know, when I was 18, I used to love cars, but now, I, you know, I don't. I, <laughs> you can see the danger in them. Exactly. All right. So now we can see that the very thing that gave us that thrill and exhilaration of cars is now seen as anxiety. Yeah. And it doesn't look so lovely. It's but in fact, there was something that really used to jack me up and I really liked it. <laughs> yeah. But also the nature of the job as well. Like I said, I, I, the, the, the pressure, the having six different places in a day to get to and being on edge all day long and drinking coffee and just like feeling like you're in a war zone, you know, I'm going to make it somehow, I don't know how. And waking up in the morning with that anxiety thinking, today's going to be a hard day. I don't know how the hell I'm going to get everything done. I will, but, but after doing that for so many years and you know, and you, you kind of get burnt out by it, really. Um, well, yes, but in fact, you can see that it's our attitude about it that drives us into burning out. Yeah. Where, in fact, if we had a different attitude, we may not get 100% of the stuff done, but we don't get burned out. And also, if everything's okay, that, that that's, that's taking the wind out of the cells <laughs> of a lot of my, a lot of the way I, I've done things. So when I'm telling myself everything, 
is going to be okay. That's that's challenging the fact that, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, how am I going to, I need to be on adrenaline to, to, to get everything done. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, hang on a minute, if I need to be like that, what, what, how, why, why, why do I need to do all this stuff and feel, feel that, and put myself under this pressure if everything's okay? Because I'm trying to fix something that's not okay, you know. Um, exactly right. So this is we'll, we'll go into it a little later time, but I want to bring to your knowledge a phrase that's in uh, the uh, the Dhamma. And that is, is that there is a kind of action that leads to the end of action. That's very interesting. Action that leads to the end of action is almost like priming a pump. You need a quart of water to get that old pump primed. But once you do, now you can get gallons and gallons out of it. You know what I mean? It's not, I'm not, I'm not quite clicking at the moment. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not groping okay. it. Um, an action that leads to the end of action. Imagine that on a highway, there's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of action out there. <clears throat> and all the police have to do is come and put up some barricades yeah. at one point on that road. Finish. And they're going to stop all of that action. A little bit of action, putting up barricades, stopped hundreds or maybe thousands of trucks from coming through. Yeah, Lee Rich. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that, in fact, if they did go through, they may go through a road that was washed out and a whole bunch of damage gets done. And so the police have a reason to block that road, to, to stop all of that action before it, it you know, damaging. So in a blocking place to redirect. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Another way is uh, imagine that a dog is tied up with a strong rope. And as much as he tugs and pulls and pulls and pulls, he will not set himself free. But if he turns around and gnaws on that rope for a little bit, he'll chew it in half and he can break himself free. That's why they often put a chain on the dog and then they'll tie the chain to a rope because the dog's not smart enough to go down where the rope is and chew on it. They always <laughs> chew close. So there's a small action that can have a massive effect. That's right. A small action can have a massive effect. And so uh, there are actions then that bring the end of action. There are also actions that set off a whole lot of action. For instance, the small amount of pulling a trigger just is all it took. But wow, what an explosion that happens after that can change an entire... They say that, in fact, that World War I was started with one shot. Well, the assassination. Yeah, yeah it was the assassination of uh, um, uh, Ham, uh Habsburg family member. So, that's it. I mean, one action can... So, that means that it's actually possible for a little bit of action to have an enormous good influence or to bring action to a complete close. So they say that there is an action that uh, is a good action and it gives a good result, and there is bad action that gives bad result. And this is the society that we've been built on 
with that kind of guarantee because if you don't have that good action gives good result and bad action gives bad result, if the society itself doesn't believe that, then all you have is chaos. All you have is might makes right and nothing else goes except that might is the only question. And so everything becomes a contest. Everything becomes a duel. People are living and dying short lives and it's brutish. It sounds very short term. It's like these it's like these government policies are just trying to delay the inevitable, you know, just patching stuff up constantly, you know. Uh-huh. If you see the violent background and history of the human being, you wonder how we got as civilized as we actually are until you recognize, wait a minute, <laughs> I object to that. <laughs> We're not that civilized, not yet. We are still quite brutish. We're just not quite as violent with it. We're a little more subtle in our violence. But we're just as brutish and things are just as dangerous and wars are just as likely to happen. Yeah. Certainly the fear is sometimes you, you do something not because it's because you know you don't want to go to jail, not because you don't want to do it. <laughs> you know. Uh... So this this law of karma that um, if you do good action, you'll get good results, and if you do bad action, you'll give bad results. Give us all kinds of things like schools. You learn this ABCs, and you learn to read, and you'll get this benefit and advantage for it. Or if you do what you're told, you'll get paid, and all kinds of other things like that, transactional. I do something for you. you, you I scratch your back. You scratch mine, right? The whole night, but it's not ever guaranteed. It's just sort of a way of looking at it. At least if you hurt me, I'm going to come with revenge and get you back. Yeah, I, I, yesterday I was at work. I did a job for a guy, a dent on his car. And it turned out it was a, a, a bloke who works at the same place. And he said, it wasn't me, prove it. I'm not, you know, he said, uh, um, I'm not paying for it. Um, and the, the other guy said, he said, he said to me, you know, in that kind of tough macho sort of way, he said, that's all right. He said, I'm going to, when he ain't looking, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it, because of some sort of understanding of, of the Dharma, for example, and, and knowing the cause and effect, you can question that and being like, that could lead to. Right. That can be exactly your house being burnt down and then you go down and burn their house and then then and then there's world war three started you know um <laughs> exactly that's exactly the case and so you can see then that that would lead to absolute chaos because yeah. all we get is just revenge and so someplace along the line somebody's got to wake up and say wait a minute let's not go down that violent path and this is what's given us the society that we do have but now we're sneaky about it. We're more subtle. We're just as caustic. We're just not as <laughs> fatal. <laughs> but even like I can see some effects rippling in my life at the moment from, I guess you could say from wrong speech, for example, where you mm-hmm. engage some kind of gossip. You've got some resentment against a certain person. And in that conversation, you can't help yourself but to kind of spill the beans and, and say something a bit nasty about another person. And then boom, the effect is you sat in your you sat in bed at night, paranoid, worried, 
uh-oh, maybe somebody's going to tell somebody and they're coming after me for it. Right. Yeah, that's that's one of the results right there. That's yeah. actually that you figured that out. It's, it, it, it changes life considerably um, in terms of seeing life that way. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm not saying I'm always conscious of it, but I think when I first happened upon the Buddhist teaching, I think that was the, that was a that was a kind of spark in the mind. Of, a, of a, a totally, it was almost like before you were asleep and you didn't see cause and effect. Almost like it didn't exist. You just, just went, you were asleep. You're just going through the motions mm -hmm. and, and not, not making a connection between if I do this, I'll feel this way afterwards and stuff like that. It just, it just, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's almost like you, that's, that's, that's a, why that's such a basic teaching. Yeah. And that, but that's in fact should be the basic teaching in Christianity. If you do good, you'll get good results if you do bad. So the teachings of Jesus is to be generous, to feed the poor, to take care of people, to be friendly, uh, to have neighbors and treat them in a neighborly way, to apply the golden rule. Those are all really, really good behaviors and they get good results. Yeah. But because of the idea of forgiveness. Oh, well, if you're really ready to your neighbor, that's okay. We'll forgive you. <laughs> but the neighbor might not. <laughs> so the, um, the, the kind of karma that we want to look at it from the perspective of the Buddha is the fact that there's another kind of karma, and that is when those two uh, factors, good and bad, are mixed together. And that means that we don't know whether this is good or bad. Is this an example? Is this the, the subtle when you say you can be subtly caustic, for example, where you can deceive yourself into believing you're doing a good thing, but and, but if you're not, if you don't absolutely, any, that's a really clear example of what I'm about to talk about. I'm going to give you a gift because <laughs> I'm so nice, but actually I'm giving it to you to make you feel guilty because you didn't give me a gift. So. Here's your pen. <laughs> so on the surface, it looks like I'm being nice, but actually, I'm trying to poke this pen in your side, in your ribs. Yes, because mm -hmm. you hurt my feelings. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the, that was what we would call the revenge. So everything's got a mixture to it. That there are nothing that is clearly good or clearly bad. And the examples that I would use is you buy stock in a in the market. And then the stock goes up and you sell it. Then you can say, oh, well, buying that stock was a good idea. Look, I sold it and made some money. It was a good act. But if we buy the stock and then the stock goes down and we sell it and we take a loss, then we'll say that was a bad act. Well, if that's the case, that means that the act itself was not dependent upon it being good or bad itself in and of itself. It depended upon what the results were. Because I like the results. The act was good. And if I like the result, don't like the results, then the original act was bad. Mm. So, in fact, there's another kind of action, and we don't know what the outcome is, but when the outcome comes, then we can determine whether it was a good or bad act, if we can actually decide what it actually was. Here's another example. In the, uh, the stadium, it's a big game. The penalty flag goes off in the middle of the game. Half the people stand and cheer, and the other half of the people stand and groan and uh, complain. Now, was throwing that penalty flag a good thing to do or not? 
Was it a good action? Was it a bad action? The fact is, you said, you know, it might have been correct or not, but correct is not the point. The point is whether it was good or not depends upon whether you liked it or not, depending upon which side you're on. Yeah, which team you support. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so yep. you're, yeah. and so you just gave another example, and that is um, what we would call a Trojan horse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks like a gift, but it's loaded down with Greek soldiers. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Troy, yeah. <laughs> the, this is that third kind of comma, but the Buddha is also talking about, but yet there's a fourth kind of comma that is neither bright nor dark, which means that it has neither good nor bad results, uh, or good action. There's neither good nor bad action, which uh, leads to that this action that you took gives results that are neither bright nor dark. Now that can be seen in several contexts, but then the kicker to that line is, and that kind of comma leads to the end of comma. So if I'm not actually out there taking advantage to protect myself or to take revenge, and I'm, and I'm also not out there trying to gain an advantage or make some merit, then what actions that I do are fairly safe and they wouldn't be out there trying to get something, a good action, or trying to um, um, harm something or stop something, which would then be the bad action. And my actions now don't cause dukkha. So they're really kind of neutral, like in a way, like, uh, like, like they, they don't, like I guess you could say what well, me eating a piece of toast this morning isn't, you know, it's not a, it's not, um, I'm not going to save the planet by eating a piece of toast, but I'm also not going to start World War Three by eating that piece of toast with some butter on. It's just, <laughs> it's just the kind of action that's safe. and Right. Just, just an ordinary action. Exactly. Okay. An ordinary action that does not have the connotation that it's a bad action because you've hurt someone or yourself. And it does not have the connotation that I'm doing this in order to make some gain. That what I'm doing is just what I'm doing now. Buttering toast, eating toast. Yeah. Okay. But going to the store with a pistol in order to steal some toast or steal the bread to make the toast, that's not necessarily good action because it's probably going to bring some ne negative results. So here you are actually eating toast that is okay to eat because it was okay to gain, gain it, and you're not afraid that the cops are going to break in to bust you up because you took that loaf of bread 20 minutes ago, you see. Yeah, yeah. All right, so now we're looking at it in the sense that we don't have any negative results because we didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But we're also not expecting any miracles or benefits or something good to happen. Yeah. Or, uh, in that regard, that becomes the end of action because it's done it's finished i've eaten the toast because right we don't yeah we've already just finished the action the only action we need to do is to put down thoughts saying that i need to do something and when i put those thoughts down now i don't have anything to do i don't think so about that's it. the yeah. it's not, it's right, not that's the comma yeah. that leads to the end of comma uh, okay. to unhook ourselves from the actions that we take going around doing stuff to gain advantage or to 
uh, gain revenge or whatever it is that we got to do, pay the bills and all of that that we do with such bad feeling and hostility and yeah. all of that grief and sorrow. Nope, we don't have to deal with it like that. Don't have to carry it around. It's not. It's not stored in. It's not rippling, rippling out all over the place. It's not. Yeah. Right. And, and so we can just take a deep breath in Anapanasati and recognize, hey, I would rather sit here and feel good than to think about the bank. I'd rather sit here and feel good than think about that customer that I just blew off. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather not think about that stuff. It's all in the past. Let it go. I'm okay now. I guess, and, and like, you know, if you were sat in Anapanasati and that piece of toast come to your mind that you had for breakfast this morning, it's got no kind of charge, is it? It's, it's got no kind of, that's going to be an easy thought just to say, yeah, well, it was a nice piece. We would call that a junk thought yeah. uh, because it, ha it has no load to it. It's got no comic load. Yeah, it's not a paranoid thought like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> yeah, the police are going to come around because of what I did the other day. So. Right, because of what I did to get that toast. <laughs> this, 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 this is really interesting as well. I mean, this, this, this throws up against some of the kind of the conditioning as well that I feel like I've received as well. Like, like, like I remember, you know, I always looked up to my, my dad and, you know, I sort of worshipped the ground he walked on. He was my hero kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, but he used to, you know, he'd come from a, a line of fellas that, you know, would misbehave sometimes, you know, and, um, you know, <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, so I guess in one way, I, I kind of, you kind of worry that if you if you were not to sort of get revenge and, and this kind of stuff, you're being soft, you know. You know, you kind of you, you're not. There's this kind of mafioso feeling, this kind of honor bound feeling. So right. my my dad's side of the family is it it does it becomes glorified and ingrained. This bad behavior that we have we humans have becomes glorified and elevated. That. Because I can't control myself, I expect you also not to control yourself. Yes. You've got to go make sure that I see that you're as badass as I am. That gives me qualities that I'm okay to be a badass. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's caused some conflict, you know, because, like, you know, you sort of uh, maybe be expected to, to act as your father would have acted. Um, but you know, the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, if I did that, I, there's a possibility I'll go to jail. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, I, I might look cool, like in the mafia's, mafia's eyes, for example. But I won't be feeling so cool when I'm sat in a, you know, a pl uh, prison for the next ten years. So exactly right. Yeah. So that's what the Buddha actually teaching all about is. First, it starts with gratification. The gratification is getting that revenge. That's very gratifying when you get yes. him back. Feel good. Oh, yes. One second. Yeah, one second. So. <laughs> right. And to get that gratification, we long for it, we want it, and that in fact it gives rise to statements like revenge is uh, a, a delicate dish that is <laughs> most delicious when served cold. Yeah. And what that means, like that you might not be in the heat of your revenge, wanting to get revenge right away. It may take a year or two years before you can get your revenge, but it'll be just as sweet then <laughs> when yeah. you finally get your revenge. But then they also talk about another way is, is that the very, very best revenge is living well. 
Yeah. In other words, whatever he did that I'm holding against him wasn't wasn't enough to affect me to the point that I'm not living really high, <laughs> that I can live any really high, and he had really no effect upon me because I lived just as high as I would have anyway without whatever it was he did. Yeah, and the guy's going to be kind of gobsmacked, like, <laughs> so <laughs> it didn't get to him. What the hell? Right? Yeah, you didn't get. He didn't get to you. But you uh, can I live think, above him. I must be. I feel. I feel. I feel that. I think that's one of the. And from our early talks, that's that's one of the things that. One of the kind of attractive. Um, things I, that I like about the Dharma is because like. It's kind of you are kind of guess seeking power. But in a different way. It's mm -hmm. the idea that kind of nothing can, if you choose not to, if you've got the presence of mind and, and you, you and your skills are that highly developed, you can kind of, no one can get to you. Nothing, no no condition can get to you. Nothing. I That's think, right. You know? That's exactly right. That's when the, when the lion's attitude oh, yeah, yeah. really is in flower, when it's really fully functional. It is so powerful. Yeah, so you could roar in the face of death, right? Or in the face of your friends or anything. I mean, and and some 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 who had that got nailed to the wall because they roared at the wrong time. Socrates was one. There's been a number of people who have been outright killed because they roared like a lion. Jesus was another one. Yeah, yeah. He busted up that temple and he told them what war about you ought not be money changing here in this sacred temple. And they nailed him up for that. <laughs> it's, funny, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I, I read a book the other day about, uh, 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 about a band called the KLF. And, um, and uh, they were, it mentioned that story about Jesus and the Pharisees, is it? Is that, is that the, uh, yeah, it was the Pharisees that got uh, Pilate to nail him up. And it was talking about usury, like you know, putting interest on on loaning. So if I if I if I loan you a hundred pound, Damarato, and I'll say, hey, no worries, give me a hundred pound when you finish with it. Hey, that's that's kind of that's different, isn't it? And saying, hey, I'll give you a hundred, you give me a hundred and ten back. Mm -hmm. You know, that's different, and that's I think that's usury where you you put interest on 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 something. Exactly, usury. Yeah, uh, uh, usury is it? Yeah, usury, uh, right. And it, and it just it mentioned in this book. It said it, it said you know Jesus, you know from all by all accounts seemed a pretty chilled out dude, you know. But the one thing that really <laughs> the one thing that really pissed him off <laughs> was 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 in that temple, wasn't it? When he he, he told them all to get out and um, and uh -huh. uh, that that was the one thing that peed him off. <laughs> well. You're you're exactly right. It's actually the same thing, but it's a little quicker in the situation. They called them money changers, and here was the situation was is that the temple only took a certain currency that you couldn't just drop in the plate whatever money that you brought with you. Because in those days, there were many different kinds of currency. In fact, in Thailand right here, it's easy. I can go within 10 kilometers of here and pick up rubles. Uh, uh, <laughs> dinars, francs, pesos, any, you know, dozens and dozens of currency. And that because there's travelers here and they bring their own local currency and they go for, uh, so people are money changers all over the place, but they never do have to report any of it 
but they make a profit because they're making a profit off of the exchange rate. So the buy and sell rate is here, but these guys at the temple were, you know, buy and sell here so that they were making a huge amount of profit. And that was what Jesus was, I, I think, on about, was the fact that they were ripping people off left, right, and center because the people had to pay for the money that could be given to the temple. And here the temple is bringing all that money back out to the front of the, uh, the banks and putting it on their table so that the money changers then can change it and, and make even more profit off the next customers that come by. And it's not because it's the money, it's the intention behind it, isn't it? It's the, it's, it's the, right, it's the intention that is a huge ripoff. Yeah. It was really interesting, that, that, that book, because I don't know if you ever heard of it, the band called the KLF. They're the band that in the early 90s, they, they burnt a million pounds. Uh, they, 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 they made a band and they, they kind of wanted to prove how kind of um, false the kind of music industry was. So they, they said, well, we're going to have a number one. And they, they made some, some music. The lyrics didn't make any sense and, and all this kind of stuff. And then they, they, they made, they were the biggest, they had the most number one singles in that particular year back in the 90s. So they did it. They kind of proved uh -huh. how you can manufacture the kind of algorithm. You can kind of do certain things and produce this effect. And then they didn't want them. They felt kind of dirty from the money afterwards. They, they had like a million pound profit and thing. So what they did was as, as a kind of statement of art or, or something, maybe um, they, 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 they wanted a, a million pounds in fifth, brand new 50 pound notes. And they chucked them all into a furnace <laughs> and they filmed it. And, but when, you, when I watched this BBC documentary about it, you know what they said? They wanted to gain control over the money, you know. They wanted to that that was like a it was like a symbolic kind of ritual to sort of sort of gain control it basically to say that it's 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 kind of just a bit a bit it said it was funny when we were burning it it, it was almost like it burned just like paper you know it was uh <laughs> exactly so actually you're reminding me of chinese funerals where at chinese funerals they burn money oh okay there, there is a thing in england as well called the church yeah the the, the church of burning money or something I just, uh, how would make, I, I've never done it, but I can kind of see the appeal. Do, do you know what I mean? You, you're kind of, uh -huh. this, this symbol, this symbol, basically. It gives us a big thrill. Yeah. We probably, if we had spent that $100 bill, we might have done it grumpily, but being able to set it on fire and burn it gives us a thrill. <laughs> hey, I'm rich enough, I can burn money. <laughs> maybe it's that, maybe it's that. I, I thought it was kind of like, I don't know. I mean, in, in another way, I mean, I kind of understand, I mean, a lot of people would say that there was uh, quite a lot of outrage, like, on, on this TV show where they were talking about it, and this guy was kind of saying, like, quite, you know, they, they should have given it to charity and all this kind of stuff, and, and, I mean, in a way, I understand what they said, that by burning that million pound, they actually made everyone a little bit richer, because they took a million pound out of circulation, mm -hmm. um, but that was, <laughs> I just thought it was, um, I just thought it was quite cool, that they, they, they were sort of influenced by um, Robert Anton Wilson, and his book, like yeah. the Lupin Artist, and mm -hmm. this kind of thing, and um, they, they, they called it Justified Ancients of Moo and all this kind of stuff. Do you know much about Robert Anton Wilson? No, not very much. I I think you'd quite like him. He, heard the name. Yeah, pretty cool dude. All into sword. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's cool. But um, yeah, I just thought I, I don't know why that just came to mind, but I just I just I just something about the idea just seemed pretty cool, pretty radical, like you know to to. <laughs> basically just well get, getting back to uh 
this lion's roar that we were talking about. <clears throat> that that in fact that statement of burning fifty million quid that sounds like quite a lion's roar. Exactly that. Exactly that. That's that's and that's mm -hmm. what I like about it. That's exactly that. Yeah, they're making a big big statement like that. Um, <laughs> and that, in fact, when we have the power and we can see something, I can imagine that that's what happened uh, with a dude that could have been named Jesus. But the Buddha, I think, would have been in different circumstances. If he had gone in there and seen what was going on, he would have probably made an appointment and gone to see Caiaphas, the head priest, and had a friendly conversation with him about it. And ask Caiaphas, can you please move your money changers out of the temple and put them out in the courtyard out there where they can be guarded and where they'll be more uh, easy? Because this is a sacred place. Because that was what Jesus was on about. Was the you know he drove the money changers out of the actual temple itself, okay, and so they could have moved all of this stuff outdoors anyway. So it was the appropriateness of where they were. Mm -hmm. The business is business, whatever. But right. And so there's a different way of handling it that way. But uh, Buddha would have been able to have that kind of appointment with Caiaphas because he was already known high class. He was high born to where Jesus was already a dirt bag. Carpenter, wasn't it? And so he had to take a dirt bag's role rather than make an appointment with the head dude to see if he could do something about it diplomatically. Okay, I guess you could say that the Buddha's using his intelligence there and using his circumstances mm -hmm. you, know, you know what was what he could do you know well in that regard it would also be a matter of education so that that's what i'm looking at it in the sense for you is is the education is is that you can actually become the lion the one who is in fact capable of walking in there to caiaphas and giving him the deal rather than having to be too strong you see the the show of strength yeah. is we, not the same thing as having strength there's a kind of quality of of quiet strength yeah an example of that would be when two people are arguing over the planet earth and and a um, a flat earth and you have a uh let us say a physics professor quite skilled in astronomical studies is sitting at the table. He's not going to argue with them. He can keep his mouth shut and because he's got the knowledge. He really knows what's going on and there's no reason for him to get involved with the argument. The people who argue are the ones that are not really quite sure. In fact, you can say that every argument is more designed for each individual one to say, I'm trying to convince me that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not trying to convince the other guy at all. I'm trying to convince me. <laughs> Yeah, see it myself. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, I'm But when we already have that knowledge, when that strength is really deep inside, we don't have to show it off. You don't have to brandish your sword. I guess you could say the facts speak for themselves, so you don't, you don't have to emotional. That's another way of looking at it, right? Is let the facts speak for themselves, and I can just stand out of the way. That's why I'm such a winner, is because I don't even have to get into the fight. <laughs> yeah, so you got belief versus fact in a way, and. <laughs> right. Let the two of them fight it out and I'll stand and I'll be the one who's winner after they battle it out. And you haven't even you haven't even sweated, you haven't even you haven't okay, even, right, right. You know, and not only that, I just I just got entertained. <laughs> <laughs> For free. <laughs>
That's what I mean. That's, that's the kind of ideal, I guess, the role model, the, the kind of... Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good sort of... Some good characteristics to aspire to, you know, to, 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 you know, to develop the skills enough that, you know, that could be your way of life, you know. And, uh, exactly. So um, we could all, we could boil it down to the entire teaching of the Buddha is, is that when you see two dudes fighting it out, struggling, wrestling, bare knuckles, tearing each other's clothes, biting ears, all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> don't try to break them up. No. If you try to break them up, you're going to be the next one hit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly so. Exactly. Don't try to break up a match that two people are in. Let them brawl together. Just enjoy the show. That, that reminds me of something I read as well about if you sometimes if you see a, like a domestic a, a domestic dispute between say a man and a woman, you think you're going in to play the hero to save a woman, but she might attack you as well because there, there's something <laughs> they're playing they're playing some drama out, and although it looks like she's the yeah. damn stress, right? You may not know what they're doing. Oh, there's a joke about that in Noah's Ark. <laughs> The Noah, after they, after they landed on whatever Mount Ararat or whatever, and all these animals are coming back by two by two, and he's checking them off to get them out. And here comes a cat and, and another cat, and then a whole parade of cats. And the old, old cat smiled at Noah, and he says, and you thought we were fighting. So that's the story. We, you thought we were fighting, where in fact they may not. So why get into it? Why get bloody and, and bruised and dirty trying to break up somebody else's fight? Well, I guess you've got to have the presence of mind to see that because otherwise you automatically get pulled into it, for example. You can. Right, we get pulled into it. That's, that's, but when you that's recognize it, that's what society is, is just one boxing match after another out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Democrats against the Republicans and the British against the <laughs> French, and, you know, everything winds up drawing sides. Yeah, 100%. And so the whole teaching of the Dhamma then is that we don't have to take sides anymore. Even the Buddha gives the example, we, don't, we can lower the banner, that we don't have to carry a flag, we don't have to identify with any groups anymore. We don't have to fight anybody else's war. This is, it's given me the feeling that, that this is where the feelings become involved, the feelings get stimulated and this is this is what pulls you into that fight or makes you want to save the day, be the hero. Or... Oh, you can feel the danger. But when we recognize, wait a minute, that's not my danger. I don't have to feel afraid. I don't have to get involved. It's not my worry. The United States is not going to fall apart. And if it does, I'll be okay. Yeah. That's what you just said there as well. That's when, when I get this paranoid thought and I'm going to lose everything and this and that. You can you you can tell yourself. Worst case scenario. I'll go and live Worst my case scenario for you, come sit on my porch. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy <laughs> your life. <laughs> what I mean, there is, there is, that nothing's, nothing's that bad, really. You know, nothing's, you might lose your 
quote unquote sense of honor or status or this or that or you know it, I, I see it in my I see it with my work at the moment like, <laughs> like where I realize that you're doing it for the money and then when you've kind of got what you needed and what you want then you're kind of doing it for the for the status and 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 oh he's a he's a really good he's really good at his job that kind of guy and when you start losing that as well because <laughs> you, you in terms of but we're all a, eventually going to lose everything anyway. That's what I mean. It's, it's not. It's not worth it, is it? It's not. It's not. It's not worth pumping that much energy. It's like. It's like maybe being the best sportsman in the world. It must be a painful place to be right at the top, because what you have to maintain. Oh, that is a major, major issue in in uh, big boxing, world class, fifteen round, beat each other to death kind I, of boxing. You know? I was thinking of boxing when I before I said that. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. The training, really, that. right? You yeah. had to keep training because the champion now is the one who is in the most danger. Everyone Last is. year's champion is the one who is in the most danger. Now he's the target for all the wannabes. But I, I feel like you know, I was, I was the best dent man in the area, and now I've got some competition coming up. And, and in order for me to maintain that position, I have to put, I have to do a hell of a lot more work. Mm-hmm. And I don't want exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so is the feeling of being on top of things like that worth the effort? Stuka, Why so... don't we just feel on top of things without putting out that kind of effort? Okay. Going back to now, we're now we're beginning to understand what we mean about in this regard, the action that brings the end of action. So the action then of feeling good without having to do the competition that you can become that lion on the inside and have all of that um, uh, self-respect and honor. Yeah, you don't need to be special in the eyes of others. So you don't need to be special. You don't have to prove anything to anybody because you've already proved what you needed to prove to yourself. So you can put down their banners and you don't have to deal with them anymore. Let them fight it out among themselves. Yeah. I'm out of this. Yeah. I was just getting the the thoughts like and that's where like the truth comes in like if you stand with the truth the truth is the facts the self-evident the it speaks for itself you haven't you know if you live truthfully yeah no selfishness needed yeah There's the no facts are just the facts yeah that's the but in fact, that's a major part of the Dhamma then is we become devoted to the truth. We recognize that, hey, the truth is better than uh, the not truth. But we also recognize there will always be things that we don't know. We're not going to be completely knowledgeable. Yeah. There will always be things that we don't know. But we also know that, hey, whatever it is that I didn't know that when I finally do know it, I'll handle it really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that last time that is part of our meditation last time that that attitude as well that I can handle anything you know that's um that's, I can handle anything yeah and I can bring my mind to whatever and it will be okay you know I, I can trust in my myself and I you know it's that's that's yeah that's that's what's worth you better off being a poor truthful and poor than a millionaire liar, for example, I guess, you know, that's is what I'm Precisely saying. Precisely because the millionaire liar is, in fact, most insecure. Yeah. The noble poor man, like Socrates, for instance, he was absolutely sure. He needed, he didn't, didn't need to prove anything to anybody. 
and he would not shut up, and he told him he wouldn't shut up. Yeah, Basically, what it was is he didn't want Athens to go to war with Sparta. That was the big deal that was going on. But he went around telling all the kids, don't join the army. <laughs> and the politicians really did not like him going around the city telling every kid that he met, don't join the army. It reminds me of this, uh, it, just in the in the newspaper this morning, um, about this guy with Putin, um, who's the... Um, did, did, are you following that? There's, there's, there's that Russian... Is he, is he a... Yes, I know a little bit. Uh, I've forgotten his name. Uh, uh, but yeah, he was poisoned in Germany and then he went back to Russia because he says he's going to stand up to Putin and Putin put yeah. him in jail for two and a half years and now there's a riot. <laughs> I see, but seeing this, like like it was in the paper this morning and, he, and he, he said something to the judge. He basically said to the judge that, you know, you know that you, I'm paraphrasing, but something like, you know, you, you need to look in the mirror. You know, he, he basically called out the judge. So again, so he's, mm-hmm. he's got that attitude of the lion. And I guess he's saying, you can do whatever you want to me. I don't care. Because mm-hmm. I've got my honour and my integrity. And I'm standing up for what I believe in, you know, for example. I, I, I just feel that's the sort of sense I get from it. I just, uh, I just read it this morning. And I thought that, 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 that guy is acting like a lion right now. He's not scared right. of anything. <laughs> that's, what, that's what's needed because they've got already too many sheep by the millions. So they need a lion. So if you can find somebody to stand up in war in in front of a judge in Russia, that's what needs to be heard. I think that this being heard all over the world. I didn't hear that one yet, but I'll look and see yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I'll send you the link if um, it, was, it, was, it was in the paper this morning. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. I'd like to see that. Um, but that's an example then of that uh, lion that we're talking about, because you've got the truth on your side and you know what is correct. Okay. But the question is, uh, the higher question is, is that, and can you just walk away from it? The answer for him was no, he couldn't. The question for you is, do you have to sacrifice yourself over some commitment? And the answer is, no, I don't think anything's really worth it. I can sit here on the porch and just enjoy myself. But I don't have, even if I know what's wrong with politics, doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to fix it. But in fact, you can see that even though he's a lion, he may not, that his roar may not save him. He may get nailed anyway. I think it probably will happen. (laughs) He'll be in some uh, accident. So in that regard, if, if he gets nailed by Putin anyway and puts two and a half to 10 years in prison where he can possibly become accidentally dead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's just typical of the way that it happens with those who are the lion, who stand up fearlessly in front of uh, authority. Jesus is an example. Socrates is an example. If there is an example of where it did work, is with the Buddha because he was already good friends with the aristocracy, that he knew personally Bimbisara and uh, Pasanati, the two kings in the Magadha and uh, um, uh, Sarana. So uh, he was already friends with them, and so he would be an advisor for them. Possibly one of the times when it was really interesting and possibly tense was is that um, after... You, perhaps you've heard the name Angulimala. There is a sutta where Angulimala, who, who is a desperate criminal, 
is converted by the Buddha and he puts on the robes and he starts to live the life of a monk. And then King Bimbisar, excuse me, King Pasanadi and his troops come by looking for him. And the Buddha says, you know, he probably looks right at him and says, do you see who you're looking for here? And that was a key. That was a key to the uh, uh, to the king himself. Let me handle this situation. You can go home now. So, because he's got that presence of mind. Because again. because he had that presence of mind, and he already knew the king, so the king knew how to take that kind of conversation. Yeah. Do you see him here? <laughs> here he is. Do you see him here? Do you see who you're looking for here? No, you don't see him here. This guy is not who you're looking for. I guess I guess I've just got because I had the word martyr coming into my mind. Then I guess you got to be careful. You you, know, you could uh, potentially become a martyr as well. I guess that that could you know you could you know what I mean? Like I mean, I guess sometimes you could be the martyr, and that's quite selfish as well because it's kind of glorifying the self and and sort of you know right look look how so unselfish I am is actually kind of a kind of selfishness in, in a way, you know, like. That's exactly right. And in fact, this is the story of the diamond. That it's the one who becomes so polished that they're excellent at it, like a fifth degree Dan black belt. Mm. Like the first and second Dan black belt, they're looking for a fight everywhere they go. But once you become the old master, the old Dan, the fifth Dan, sixth Dan uh, black belt, you don't fight anymore. And if somebody really challenges you, you try to push them off. And if they do challenge you, you go, and they're dead. (laughs) Okay, so this is what we mean about that we become that diamond. And it's the one who carries the diamond, the one who is the lion who has the truth on his side that roars, he still holds that diamond. But the Buddha recommends, and Bhikkhu Buddhadasa tells the story, that the, the Arahat is the one who loses that diamond after he comes to the pinnacle of being the very best there is, then he even drops that. He just doesn't. Yeah, he lets go. And let's that go. Let that diamond go. That I'm wealthy even without that diamond that I have collected together, being the very best at yeah. fifth dan or uh, oratory or or whatever like that. Uh, and and so it's a Jesus or a Socrates is still trying to yeah, roar yeah. and yeah. make a point. Yeah, 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 yeah. I- there's still something there, isn't there? You know, I get that. Mm-hmm. And so there's just one little step above that that lion's roar, and that is the the polish off of, I guess, being an old lion. <laughs> <laughs> Which has got its time. Uh, yeah, an, an elder, so that we we go we we forget <laughs> about the roaring because we've already cleared the whole jungle. There's no reason to roar anymore. <laughs> Yeah, you probably look fondly and sort of like kind of comically at the, the, the younger lions sort of roaring their heads off and those guys, you, you know. See, just... <laughs> you see that with dogs. 
we've got dogs, several dogs in the neighborhood of various ages. And guess what? It's the youngest dogs, the ones who are three to six months old, who bark the most. Yeah. And then the dogs that are under two years old, they're very happy. But after the dog's a couple of years old, they'll lay on the porch and say, what are those dogs out there talking about? <laughs> Call me bothered. <laughs> yes. And so that's uh, the idea of gaining, gaining age and wisdom is that we don't have to get in other people's arguments anymore. I guess the energies and, you know, start to die down and, 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 and all that sort of stuff. I guess it's part of the process, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of... Um, I guess, uh, I guess you put, I guess, I, I guess you can't sort of fake that if you know what I mean. You can't sort of, you know, if, you, if you're 20, you can't really be a 90 year old, you know, you've got to sort of, uh, or not, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really glad that you're back into the practice. Yeah, that was and, good. And, and we're having a, a, a nice chat, getting back to know each other and, and all of that. I think that we've, uh, we're, connecting together really well in that regard yeah definitely no it's um, and, uh, i emailed you the other day just to say as well that you know this is wow you know this is this is fast acting medicine you know this 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 stuff if you want it to be it can it can uh, it's good stuff you know it's um and it's so simple as well really it's um i just uh yeah, so thank you. I really I appreciate, you know, <laughs> you sharing the Dharma with me. So, Steve, my pleasure to know you. And we'll see you in the next several days. Keep going. You're, you're doing well. We'll see you. Thank you, Tom. See you soon. Bye.